Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back to the Scene to Scene podcast, and I'm your host, Valerie Complex, assistant editor and film writer at Deadline. On today's episode, I am chatting with showrunner, and writer extraordinaire, Ramala Muhammad. Now, she has a new show out that is currently streaming on Hulu called Reasonable Doubt. And the show was written and directed and produced by Muhammad and Carrie Washington from Scandal and Little Fires Everywhere uh, directs and executive produces alongside Pilar Savon, for Simpson Street, which is Kerry Washington's production company, and Larry Wilmore via Wilmore Films. Now, the showrunner signed her first overall deal with ABC Signature in 2018 and has been a part of the Disney family since 2009, where she started as a fellow in the Disney ABC writing program. Mohammed was a writer and co-executive producer on the Emmy-nominated Little Fires Everywhere, which is on Hulu, which I mentioned before. Prior to that, she was writer and producer on Scandal, where she penned 11 episodes for the series, including the seventh season crossover episode with How to Get Away with Murder. Now, that was an episode, oh my goodness, when she was talking about the Megabus, and I wonder, I'm pretty sure she wrote all that. That was a wild exchange between Olivia Pope and um, Annalise Keating. I, if you haven't seen just the exchange, you got to go check it out on YouTube. I got a little bit off topic, but now back to Reasonable Doubt. The show is currently on on Hulu and is the first scripted drama for the Onyx Collective. Now, the show follows Jack Stewart, a lawyer who has some questionable ethics and some really interesting interpretations of the law. That is, of course, until she's the one catching hell. Now her whole world has changed. But underneath it all, underneath all the mess, and the drama, um, Jax is probably the most brilliant and fearless defense attorney in Los Angeles. And she bucks the justice system every chance she gets. So she's just doing what lawyers tend to do, but is surrounded by a lot of toxic things that she tries to take care of in her own toxic way. The show is really good. I remember seeing the first episode at Martha's Vineyard African-American Film Festival, I remember screaming, hooting and hollering and yelling at the screen because it's just packed with drama, suspense. It's a really good pilot episode. It's the way that a pilot should be written in a way that hooks you in and then on a cliffhanger. Very, very good writing. And that's what myself and Muhammad talk about today is sort of what it was like to craft the series and what it takes to make a great first pilot episode. So with that said, we're going to get right into the discussion. Now, if you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast on Apple and Spotify.
the show has dropped. Yes. And it's getting really good reception. Yeah, um, it is. It's very exciting. I'm, I'm, you know, when I saw it at Martha's Vineyard, I, mm -hmm. I was like, this is something, you know, this is the kind of messiness that we miss from television. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I knew that the people would eat it up and they definitely, they definitely are. Um, how does that feel to be on the receiving end of all of this good praise for reasonable doubt? I mean, everything from the fashion to the story to the acting, everything is really kind of on point. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. And also great to see you again. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been a little bit. <laughs> um I uh yeah, it's been it's been it's been really good. I mean, you know, obviously you spend so much time, you know, working on a project and you know, you put in the, the elements that you want uh to be there. Uh, so you just kind of hope that people are into it as well. But you know, you, you just don't know, you know. I think. I don't think anyone creates anything and thinks like, well, this is terrible. So, but I, you know, we'll see what happens. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I think for the most part, people are excited about what they, what they're creating and, and are passionate about it, just like I am. And so the only hope you have is that people feel the same way as you do, because you are putting in all that work and, and all those details, right. That, that you think are important to the show that, you know, the things that keep me up at night, you know, of, you know, even little things like, you know, um, there's an episode later where, you know, when, it, when a song drops and I had like tried to, you know, talk to the sound editor about it, we were going back and forth and finally we found the right, you know, the right, like exact beat. But I, it was literally like, I was like, no, it needs to start here. Like, it's like not two seconds, three seconds. And these little things that you're just trying to, uh, trying to get right or the alarm you know in the in that the, the pilot episode like you know sitting with the editor and being like okay well okay if this is going to be the alarm like I want it to like be on beat and then I want it to go into the song you know the song those that stuff that um that you know you, you sweat over and just hope that people appreciate so yes it is I guess long answer is yes it, it feels very uh gratifying and it feels very exciting that people are into the show um, I just, you know, when you talked about at Martha's Vineyard, when you talked about, you know, you had spoken to, I forgot the name of the woman, please forgive me. Um, oh, and, yeah, yeah. And she was like, sort of a little bit of the inspiration behind the show. Um, ha has she seen it? And what does she think? Oh yeah, yeah, she's seen it. I mean, she is a co-executive producer on oh, the project. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So she, you know, she's she was, you know, read the scripts and so she was, you know, involved in, you know, helped with some kind of legal consultation as well. Um, but she she loves it. I mean, she's she's into it. She just I talked to her yesterday and uh, she said her daughter and her friends were watching it and really into it. Um, and yeah, so, so I'm, that makes me happy. I think, I think what's exciting, I'm guessing for her is that she can definitely see parts of herself in it, but mm -hmm. also see that it's not her, you know, right. it's, not, it's not her, the, the messiness isn't her. So I think there's an enjoyment to be able to, you know, watch it as entertainment as well. Um, what, can you talk a little bit about the process of, the showrunner logistics, like the things that you had to do 
okay, so I had to pitch this story. They said yes, and now what? Can you take the audience a little bit inside of that experience? Yeah, so um, so I the it's first started off with I met with uh, Larry Wilmore and Kerry Washington about this project, uh, and and they had met with Sean Holly and wanted to do a show, kind of inspired mm-hmm. by her. So you know, in the in the development process, you know, you're coming up with ideas and characters, and um, and then you know I pitch certain ideas to them, and then get mm-hmm. feedback. And then start to develop it into a script, and and we did that actually for ABC Network. Um, and then you know we went through the development process with ABC Network, where you have a story area and and an outline and script and all these things. And then um, you know, and then ABC Network decided, okay, well this iteration, I guess, of the show wasn't for them. So then the studio uh, took it back, ABC Signature, saying okay, look, we still like this idea. Let's redevelop it for streaming. Mm-hmm. And so that's- Interesting. Yeah, so so I redeveloped it and then, you know, COVID happened. <laughs> so, right, right. You know, I had, I, had, I had a little, I had a little more time, I guess, um, and things were a bit delayed. But the good thing is that, you know, Johnny Davis, Tracy Underwood at ABC Signature were very supportive of like, you know, what is your vision? Like, what is the version of the show you want to do and do that? you know mm-hmm. and so so that's what I was able to do so it it did uh, enable me to tap into more you know what you, the messiness the sexiness of the yeah show. yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you know these you things always start off one way and then you know transition into something else and it seems like for streaming it's the world is a little bit more open so to speak as opposed to, you know, how Shonda Rhimes works with, used to work with ABC7, um, you working with Hulu was able to expand it beyond its original borders. Um, And what was that like for you? Was it like a stark difference? It's like, well, dang, I have all of this openness now, what what to do? Well, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely, you know, listen, broadcast television, they have standards and practices you can't do certain things but mm-hmm. I think what what um I learned from Shonda and the writers on Scandal and just the show is I think you know if you have certain um stories and characters that are appealing then you know the boundaries of it you can still do what you want and tell a good story right I think right I think Scandal still had a sexiness and a soapiness despite the fact that it was on network TV. So right. I think the core of, of the vision and the story needs to be there. Um, and so, yes, I, with streaming there, there, you know, there's a little more freedom, but, you know, just because you have that freedom doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a better show, you know, right, 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 right. Um, <laughs> sometimes the freedom can be overwhelming. Um, so I think for me, I really, I really wanted to remember like, okay, no matter what, I have to focus on the characters and mm-hmm. build the characters and tell a compelling story and and not, you know, no matter where it's going to be. But yes, I, I do think, you know, when I went to go develop it for streaming, I think the freedom that I really just had was to just, you know, I, I was able to really just write the script that I kind of wanted and start from there. And then once Onyx read it, and we're interested in, in that, then, you know, we developed it and, you know, got notes and different things, but the core of what I wanted to do 
you know, was there from the pilot. And then even in my series pitch, when I pitched to Onyx, the episodes and what I wanted to do and how I wanted the season to unfold, um, you know, I, I had a good idea of that. So, so when the writer's room started, I was uh, able to have them build upon my vision versus mm -hmm. not having a vision. And then, you know, when you don't have a vision, then people want to fill that vision for yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and then that's when things I think get a little murky. Yeah, when they want to be the ones to fill in the gaps, especially like when it comes to like POC centric Black folks content specifically, mm -hmm. um, there's always the need to fill in those gaps so that every quote unquote demographic feels welcome, so to speak. Yeah, no, exactly. And really the thing is, is that I feel like with TV, it, it, TV or magazines or any kind of creativity or movies even like I feel like if you just tell a story um, and you're not thinking about like okay I want this to be for everyone to enjoy right mm -hmm. if you're telling a, a very specific story from a, from an authentic place then actually you're kind of inviting everyone into the story because there's going to be something that people connect to right like for this show right I this to me is a show that I made for myself, right? A mm -hmm. black woman in her forties <laughs> who would enjoy a show like this. Right. That that is that is who I wrote the show for, um, for myself to enjoy. To be honest, and then for me, I feel like what's great about that is that there there are other parts of the show, there are other characters, and other storylines that other people can enjoy. Because even if you're not black, but you're a mother, you know, mm -hmm. you you connect to Jacks and see what she's struggling as with her kids. Or if you're just someone who has to balance career and personal life, and you're even not like a, a woman, you know, what, whatever that is, I think there are elements of her and the story that other people can connect to. So even though I've written this show for me, basically, you know, there's there are other elements of it that other people can connect to. And, and, and it feels real because I'm writing it from a very personal, point of view. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That's a really, really good point and something that I hadn't, that hadn't crossed my mind before. It's like, you, when you write for you, I think it's when you think about yourself or whatever, people like, oh, you know, selfishness or whatever. Anyway, when you write yeah. for yourself, you tend to create the real world around you, which often yeah. connects to others as opposed to being like, well, and it's no shade to those who write for the, you know, whatever community they write for and dedicate those works to that said community. But I think there's also, I think what I've noticed as a film critic, particularly is there tend to be some there tend to be a lot of flaws in that logic and you mm -hmm. see that in the characterization eventually right. so i think 
that's probably the best piece of writing advice that you can give someone is to just write what you want to see and write for yourself. Um, and speaking of which, what, what do you think makes a great pilot episode? Like that first episode hooked, you know, <laughs> from the beginning to first meeting Jax to this, to the end of the pilot cliffhanger is like, well, dang, they really knew how to, like whoever wrote this, because I didn't know um, at the time when I first, very, very, very first saw the screener before um, before Martha's Vineyard, I was like, dang, I was like, that was a really good way to establish a foundation for the story. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. Well, so, um... You know, I, I love television. I love watching television. But what I found in watching television is, particularly recently, is that a lot of shows, it, you know, when someone recommends a show to you, they go, it's really good. You just got to get to like episode three or four. <laughs> and then it really like takes off. And so my frustration in that is I'm a busy person. Right. I don't want to sit through. Right. I don't want to sit through three episodes before it gets good. Now, there are many shows I can think of that I did that and I was happy I did because they were great and it paid off, I understand. Some shows and some worlds take a little more time to establish, but right. but at the same time, for me, I just, I was like, well, what happened to just watching a pilot and just being captivated, you know? Right. And I started watching a bunch of pilots from the past and, you know, near, near present, I guess you can say, um, and remembering, you know, like, oh, this is this pilot, you know, when I watched the show, like, um, you know, Felicity, or I watched, I watched Power, I watched The Shield, Grey's Anatomy, you know, remembering that these were shows that when you watched the pilot, you were like, oh, I'm in, I, I'm, I want to watch the show. Um, and so that was kind of my North Star. I was like, okay, I have to write something that from the beginning till the end, at the end, you are like, I'm in, I, this is the show I wanna watch. And so I really thought about, like I said, what 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 are the elements that would make me, give me signs that this is a show I wanna watch, right? Um, and some of those signs are, you know, music, right? Music is really important to me. Um, what is the first song that we hear out the gate? Mm -hmm. the gate hustle hard, you know, for me, that's, that's, a, that's a very black, Mad, you know, like has a male energy to it, a force. It says, let's go where this is what the show is. And so for me, that was important because it, it, it sets a tone right off the bat. Um, also seeing her wake up in a headscarf, seeing her work out. So you see, okay, this is why she looks so great. She, she goes hard, you know, mm -hmm. and she doesn't want to, she has to down and energy drink just to get herself to motivate right. <laughs> you know it's not like oh I wake up smiling you know it's like oh you know so I wanted it to be relatable uh that this beautiful obviously smart woman uh it, it doesn't it's not it's not uh just she's not flawless she, mm -hmm. she she wakes up like the rest of us not wanting to <laughs> be mo not motivated right. to do it but time to do it so um so those were different signs. And then, you know, obviously understanding her marriage, uh, you know, seeing little moments of her at work, you know, seeing the 
the, the face that she has to put on in front of her white male colleagues and seeing her just like be annoyed after, you know, um, talking to her mom. So I wanted also to, to understand who she was and see, oh, this is a woman who has a full life. And so I, I really wanted to make sure I had all these elements in, um, you know, I also, like I said, I, I, as everyone knows, like I, you know, I came out of Shondaland and, mm. and, you know, you learn a lot about story and, and how the audience can retain more information than you think, uh, they can and follow the story along. So for me, I don't think, except for, I think the scene with her and Michael Ely, with Emyatsi and Michael Ely, and then Emyatsi and McKinley, who plays her husband, I, I don't think any scene was really longer than a page and a half. I really mm -hmm. made sure that I kept the story moving and got in and out of scenes, you know, as quickly as I can. So yeah, those scenes, and then the, then the opening scene with her talking to the lawyer, Mark Noonan, that's a bit of a longer scene, but that's kind of the scene that kind of defines and, and helps us understand who she is. So that's only three scenes. Every, every other scene really, you know, moves pretty quickly. Uh, so that you get as much as possible. And I think you just made a really important statement that like seeing our main characters in their natural habitat. <laughs> right. It's important because it gives the audience an opportunity to know who we're dealing with. Um, and yes, Jax is surrounded by a ton of other characters, but you know, we learn more about everybody later as they revolve, they sort of orbit around Jax. Mm -hmm. So I just really, I just really like that method of storytelling in general, where the audience is given a lot of information up front. And now we get to see how the characters deal with the information that we know. Right, right. Um, and there's more, and then, I mean, you know, there's, there's so much more to reveal. Right. And I, I just, I guess I'm just sort of gushing over not just the show, but the way that it's really structured and um, how character driven it is. And I learned a lot from, you know, watching a couple of episodes, but really watching and studying that pilot. It's a damn good pilot, I got to say. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. and, and so working with an M. Yahtzee is really, like, really, really good. And yes. I know that this may be among one of the, you know, one of her few roles where she gets to show the range of talent. Did you always have her in mind to take on the part of Jax or was it like a traditional sort of thing where you, she auditioned and you were like, okay, well, that's the one or. Yeah, no, we had, we held auditions. It was really important for me to hear the actors the actresses read like it, you know to hear particularly Emiazzi, um and even um the role of Lewis so those mm -hmm. were like kind of the two that I was like I need to hear you know hear them read so those those are roles that auditioned and then we auditioned a, a bunch of other roles as well um you know our casting director Kim Harden who is amazing she just you know tapped into all, all this talent that she had worked with and um you know would suggest people and and so actually Amiyatsi was, um, she had another project that she had been working on that didn't go. And then she had, was up for something else. Um, so she became available in kind of this window. We were still looking for someone. 
Um, but, you know, it's a hard role as you, you know, watching the show, she has to be brilliant and sexy, but funny and, you know, all, all these different facets and, and, and believable as a mom and warm um, in that sense. Um, and so, yeah, I, uh, I actually, you know, I, 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 I'd seen her like face around and a couple of things, but I really wanted someone who kind of could come in and define this role. And so, yeah, so she, we had a Zoom audition with her. We, went, we met with her and she talked about, she loved the role and then she, she auditioned. And really after, you know, she was supposed to do like three scenes. And after the first scene, I was like, yep, yeah, mm-hmm, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's her. And then every, every scene after that was really just, I mean, just clear, made it more clear. Right. She just really embodied this character so, so obviously. So I was, you know, beyond thrilled. I mean, just even thinking about it gets me emotional just because it was just like, I, you know, at, at some point I started to wonder if I was asking too much, you know, asking too hmm. much uh, because it's such a range of personalities in, in one character. But, um, but yeah, no, she, she killed it and she, and then she continued to do so. <laughs> right. As you can see. I really like the addition of Sean Patrick Thomas because mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, man, like, you know, you know, a lot of people, they've been clowning on Save the Last Dance as a recent. And I'm like, this brother deserves so much more because I'm like, you know, I liked him in, in Barbershop and, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of other films that he's in. But I, I I like that he's, you know, he's usually the stereotypical good black dude or whatever or good dude you know in in a in a situation and I really just sort of liked seeing this this sort of opposite him playing um against type um yeah. so how do you like work that out well I think I, I I believe Sean had come to audition for another role um one of the other male roles and then when we were talking about Braden you know Carrie had worked with Sean before obviously same mm-hmm. last um, and I, I feel like she mentioned, she's like, well, what about, you know, what about him for Brayden? And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And we talked to him about that role because I mean, he'd already auditioned and he's mm-hmm. Patrick Thomas. <laughs> and so, and so um, we talked about that role and he was excited about that. And, you know, he, one of the first scenes I feel like he did was the scene with, with um, Emmy Yahtzee and Chris Casarino who plays Rich. And it was, it was like, I was like, oh my God. Like, I was like, I am blown away. Like mm-hmm. we did his side of coverage and, you know, obviously, you know, Carrie's such an amazing director. So good at getting a great performance, but really just, I just was what he was doing and how he understood what the scene was and the, the role he was playing was, it, you know, it's, it just, for me, I, I enjoy watching great performances. So even, even when I'm just on set, you know, I'm always, I like to be surprised by what the actors can bring. And just for the sort of audience and myself, I'd like to know someone who is coming from Sean's land and sort of stepping out and creating their own world and their own things. Can you talk about some of the challenges that you may have faced doing that with being a woman, being a black woman, you know, just sort of the different intersections that you exist at that are often gatekept in this industry. I'm trying to be nice with the way that I'm saying this. 
Um, but I, you know, the struggles that you have sort of faced in that not just entering the world of Shondaland, but the transitioning from it and doing sort of your own thing. Yeah, well, I mean, I I think really the challenge, I say the biggest challenge for me was that, you know, coming out of 2020 and, you know, the, you know, what happened with George Floyd and the protest and, you know, all of that was obviously a new attention to like, you know, Black lives and Black content and, you know, diversity and all of that is is great. But at the same time, I do, I did feel like there was a little bit of like, oh, okay, um, you know, uh, is this, did we, is this the girl who came in who they're giving a chance to like have her own show, right? So I felt like, um, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't want to say that anyone treated me that way, but of course that's like, that's the way that I'm, that's my concern. That's kind of what I'm feeling and, and it's my first show. But I think that that was the biggest challenge of just reminding people, okay, yes, this is my first show, but I've produced over 30 plus episodes of television. Mm -hmm. And I do know what people do on set. And I've, you know, written, I've been a TV writer for 10 years at this point mm. um, and studied under some of the best, you know, showrunners in this business. Um, so I, you know, that was, that was a challenge. I also, I went to USC for, I have a master's in fine arts. I went to an Ivy League school. So some of that, you know, is having to educate people a little bit of like, I didn't just get off the bus on, yeah. you know, you know, on the corner of Sunset and Vine and go like, I want a chance. In right, right. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's, it's, and it doesn't, it doesn't come up often, but sometimes, you know, it, you gotta allow me to reintroduce myself in, in the words of Jay-Z. Yeah, over and over and over. Uh, and again, yeah, right. yeah. And I think, so I, I, that was a challenge for me. I, I think that, you know, when I've spoken to other Black writers, you know, the challenge also is, particularly if you're in a room that doesn't have a lot of Black writers, you feel like, okay, now you have to be the Black police of, you know, <laughs> right. I'll be like, nope, a Black person wouldn't do that. They wouldn't do this. Um, but also we're not a monolith, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's something that I wouldn't do that maybe another black person would do. Um, so that's, that's a stressful situation. So like with my writer's room it was all black writer's room. And for me, that was more about kind of um, nullifying blackness, if you will, like kind of just taking it off the table because now, oh, okay, we're all black. We don't have to sit here and explain black things <laughs> we don't have to we have all, everyone has a shorthand and, and we can we just actually, get into the work we can just get into the work we can talk about these human experiences that we've had uh and put that into the show into these black characters and of course we're all black so the blackness is just naturally going to come out and spill out but it's not uh something that we have to like you know put in and program and it's just it just is organic Man, that, that sounds like so refreshing to hear, um, you know, where you don't have to, or, you, you know, you can get into the work and have other discussions besides <laughs> talking about race and why you can't, you know, why you're, why a white man writing a character named Pookie is, may not come off as, as well as they think it might. Right. right. And, oh man, that sounds like an absolute 
you know, dream. And, and, you know, Ramla, I want you to know that you're, you're inspiring like a whole new generation of black, you know, up and coming uh, women who are writing and sort of striving for that, um, I don't know, I'm missing the word, but being able to stand on their own merits and their own work, um, you know. Yeah, that means a lot to me. So I, I think that reasonable doubt is going to be uh, the thing that, you know, that sort of strong foundation that um, not just you, but like other people can look toward, um, you know, for examination, for, for fun, for entertainment and things of that nature. So um, I, I've enjoyed, you know, what I've seen a lot and I miss those sort of shows that you saw, sort of come on in the early 2000s, you know, that was like, they had a good story, but they were also like a little bit of messy and. You know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, what, you know, it's reasonable doubt stands for something. And I love seeing successful women um, working and working through their lives. I think it's a fantastic show. So oh, just, thank just, you. just thank gushing you so a little bit more. No, no, I appreciate it. I, again, like I said, I, um, watching television, watching a good show brings me joy. So I always feel like if I am able to contribute to that in some way, then great. <laughs> I feel very, that's the whole reason to do this. And I mean, you know, Carrie has Carrie Washington, Larry Wilmot's staff of approval. So, you know, start there. It's like, okay. <laughs> and I want to know what this is about. So uh, thank you so much for, for coming on the Scene to Scene podcast. Uh, oh, thank you so much, Valerie, for having um, me. And I'm so, I'm so excited that you're excited about the show. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully you could come back when season two drops. Um, we're, yes. Let's, let, listen, let's put it, let's put it out there. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, we're going to put it out and then we're going to manifest. Season yes. <laughs> yes.